Delighted to be back on the Willie Morgan Show. Obviously, you're all used to me being joined by Manchester United icon Willie Morgan, but we have a very special guest today. We have Patrick Bartley, who's written this incredible book on Sir Matt Busby, and it's called The Man Who Made a Football Club. It's an excellent book, and Willie believes he's a few stories that Patrick may not have heard about Sir Matt, so we're sure. No, I know. It's <laughs> probably the only, the only person who... Uh, who could uh, uh, add a few things uh, 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 to, to any book? Because uh, well, you and you and Matt were—you played. We must have had our hundreds of rounds of golf together. Oh, hundreds and hundreds. And you know the the sad thing—he developed the yips. You know what the yips are, Patrick? Yes. And the two nunties that we played with, Peter Collins and Danny Kern. They wouldn't give him a bloody one-foot putt. They used to turn away. And he used to look at me and I say, take a gas, but it's all right. Just take take it up, you know. <laughs> so they wouldn't give him his putt. But you know what? He got his only ever hole in one at Mir yeah. on the on the twelfth hole at Mir Golf Club, where we played. That's where we were. Were you were you playing with him at that time? I was playing with him. Um, yeah. it's quite funny. I mean, I've told the story before. Yeah, and current, of course, and, and Collins. And uh, anyway, he knocks it in and uh, they said to him, oh, Gaffer, what a bad time to get all in one. There's a society, 120 people here. Oh, no, he said, no, is there? Because it used to be empty. Of course, it was very quiet, you know. Yeah, they've been out earlier on. They're all in the club. <laughs> oh, you know, I have to get straight home. I can't eat. You never hit another shot, Patrick. You never hit another shot. Oh, my no, God. no, I've never, never played no. golf. At, 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 well, I, I've tried a couple of times, but uh, at what I can't get to terms with is the is that you hit a shot and it pings away, and it I wouldn't be like one of your shots or Matt. Oh well, I'm not sure. Uh, it. it it pings reasonably sat. It's a nice sound. And you think, all right, what did I do there? I've, I've, I've set myself up. I looked, kept my eye on the ball. I swung in a lazy yeah. uh, way. And then you do exactly the same thing. And it's like hitting a bloody cannonball with a feather. It Tell just me. trickles. It's not, it, it, why? When you do the Golf. same thing. Golf is the man. Golf is the man. We all do it, pal. Do you know something? Can I just say before we yeah. start to get into everything? Yeah. It's a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you. You know, like there that. are three. There are three people. Uh, there's been lots of great writers, but three very, very special ones. One called Brian Glanville, who I know you'll know. Yes. Rob Hughes, who wrote the Times, and Hugh McIlvany. Yes, yes. Well, and then, uh, and then, and then there's you as well. There's four, yeah, four of you, great, great, respectable, four great writers, pal. I tell you, you're with those three. You're up there Thank with you. those three. Well, I, I really appreciate that because you're talking about the absolute tops. Uh, uh, Brian is in his nineties now, and uh, in fact, you've jogged my conscience because I, I, I haven't seen him. I haven't been around to his. 
house. He's got this magnificent house in Holland Park. Uh, God knows um, what it would cost. But anyway, he lives there, but he's not been well. His wife yeah. died uh, two or three years ago. And um, uh, he, he just, uh, he's just, uh, I don't think he's been too well lately. So that's, that's unfortunate. Hugh, if, as you if, know, if, if you do get in touch with them, Patrick, Sorry? if you do get in touch with them, pass on my regards, would you please? I certainly will. That'll give him, that'll give him a boost for sure. Um, and, uh, and 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 Rob Hughes, I haven't seen for a long time. Hugh, Hugh died, as you know, last year. But um, Rob, I haven't seen for a long, long time. But Rob was Rob was one of the uh, uh, very interesting that you that you, you you picked him out because I thought that when he and Glanville were together on the Sunday Times, yeah, you, could, you couldn't read a better pair of football writers. Different. But equally good, and and Rob was, I would say, one of the best match reporters. He, he was. Had, he had this ability to sum up a match, um, in in a way that, frankly, I could only admire because I was terrible. If you if you if you um, if I'd been a footballer, they'd say reasonable technique but no pace. I could I could I found it very difficult to work in a hurry, and. Um, uh, whereas Rob had this ability to to make a a match sound cogent uh, half an hour after it had finished, you know. <laughs> well, you know, all three of them use words that us footballers had never heard of. Don't forget, <laughs> we're not the brightest people on the planet, Patrick, as well, you know. I, I heard I heard Michael Vanny use a few words that you would probably be aware of, Willie. Uh, I, uh, I heard them from him himself. And Brian Glanville. <laughs> Brian Glanville, I've been, I've been on the wrong end of them. I, I oh, know. I've not been on the rough end. But I know oh, I have, I have. I tell you, every time I saw Hugh, uh, we, we, we socialised. I use the word socialised. Yeah. He always, he always uh, at some stage, if uh, if a couple of drinks had been taken, he'd be, <laughs> he'd be offering. He'd, he'd be off. Yeah. He'd be offering to uh, settle the argument outside. And this oh, like, God. When he he's in his he, he, couldn't, he couldn't punch his way a wet paper bag. <laughs> no talk. I, I didn't so, want to take a gamble on it, Willie. That's all. No, right. no. But Brian Glanville actually came to Argentina with us. He flew yes. out with us when we played the Studiantes in the World yes. Club Championship match. And I got yes. to know him very well because we were there for quite, you know, quite a few days. And what a, what a charming, char very eloquent. I mean, oh. very eloquent. Uh, I would say, most I would of the say, sports writers, as you know, Bob yeah. Russell, Derek Porter, uh, Derek Hodgson, Alan Thompson, they were all rough. Yeah. <laughs> they were all, they're all good guys because they all mixed together. Well, Hardy, Hardy, uh, uh, Derek Hodgson would take issue with that. He was quite, uh, but but yeah, I know what you mean. I take your point. I mean, uh, yeah, they were, uh, but they were great lads. These were the people, Callum, and, and anybody. Uh, really uh, listening and saying, well, who are these guys? These were the people that Willie and I, that I grew up with as, as, as journalists. I mean, Bob Russell, I can remember going into the office of a newspaper. It was, the, it was called The Sun, but it wasn't The Sun as we know it. It was a broadsheet paper in, based in Manchester. And I can remember, Bob Russell was, was the Northern football correspondent at that time. Yeah. And I remember going in to the office. I was a lowly, very lowly 
sub-editor. Um, I was only about 18 or 19 at the time and seeing Bob Russell and I was scared to talk to him. I was so much in awe of him. <laughs> and, and, and all of these, because uh, he was quite a glamorous character in his youth, Bob. He, yeah. he drove a sports car, didn't he? And a, he did. Uh, yeah. and a glamorous Scandinavian wife, I remember. But he, he, he um, these were the guys that, that, that we grew up with. And, and Willie, I don't know, it, it, did, you, did you have a good, did footballers, I remember it being completely different from what it is now. Did you consider people like Potter and, and Bob Russell just, and, and all of those ones you, you mentioned to be almost like pals? Patrick, they were friends. I played a lot of tennis with yeah. Derek Potter. He, he lived up in Hale Barnes and we used to play tennis up there together. Bob Russell, we used, but when we were on the road, yeah, you know, when we were overnight, they all came out with us after the match. We all went out together. Yeah, they were pals. You could say anything, do anything you want. They would never ever write anything about you that yeah. you didn't written. They were fantastic. They were friends. They they weren't sports writers and and us the players. We were just it's all amazing. friends. It was one package. Wherever it's we amazing, went. Amazing, you know why? While um, and and Callum, you might be interested in this because it's it, it's to do with the complete change in the relationship between footballers and the public in our day and in yours, where they're all, um, you know, particularly in England, you know, they're all multi-multi-millionaires mm -hmm. and that's only the teenagers. So the, the, uh, when I was researching the book, I noticed that the wills of the players after Munich, uh, okay, Duncan Edwards was only... At 21, so you wouldn't have expected him to have amassed a, a large fortune, although he would. In he would today, of course. He'd be worth, of course, just write your own check. But um, in those days, what you noticed was that the top writers left a modest sum, but mm -hmm. so did the players. Yeah, very modest. They were of the same. You know, they lived in the same world. Whereas now, if I met a footballer, I couldn't say to him, oh, I bought a nice sofa for 200 quid out of Ikea, because he wouldn't know what Ikea was, and he wouldn't even know what 200 quid was. He'd probably Patrick, think a tip. Patrick, if you meet a footballer, can you let Manchester United know? Because we'll sign you. Because <laughs> we don't have any. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. I, hey. I, it's... Um, I, I, I despair. The grave uh, misuse of the word. Yes. Um, can you understand Paul Pogba? Can you understand what he's doing? Can I understand? Hey, listen, you've obviously not watched the show. He, his feet wouldn't have touched the ground. The very first thing, he would have been out of the club over a year ago. In fact, he would never have been at the club if Matt Stone had been manager. I cannot Absolutely. He's average, and I'm being kind, he's average. And apart from that, between him and his agent, I'll never want, I'm never going to play for man. Get him, get rid of him, get rid of him overnight. You know, something? a chip in, a chip in. Get rid in. of Pogba, get rid of that agent, and tell them not to come back, particularly the agent. The Pogba's agent is a disgrace. But, uh, they're guided by their agents. I know. I know they are. But well, no, he, you know something. 
he's average at best anyway. Yep. It's not like you're going to miss him. Well, I'm sorry if I'm going over. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm going over old ground, but that you and Callum have talked about it on the show. But I, he doesn't seem to be able to see that he, he can play a great pass, but he doesn't seem to be taking part in the game with the other players. Do you know? Do you know what he is? Let me tell oh, you. If what? you're five nil up, he'd be great. If you're nil-nil, you'll never find him. That's what he does. He, he's a he's a Tanner ball player. Yeah. But this you know, Bruno's, if you're in front, this Bruno's if you're in front, a bit more like okay. You wouldn't want to be in the trenches. You wouldn't want to be in the trenches with him, I tell you. So anyway, he's about, only one. He's about, only one of many. What about Fred? What's, what can he do? <laughs> well, I don't he must have a great agent. Well, oh. just a minute, wait a minute. What about Matic? As I said last week, I've got a tree in my garden that's quicker than him. <laughs> He's terrible. He's terrible. Why do you think no. Mourinho gave us them? They, but they're not on their own. We have no defence. No. We've none. We've no defence. As I said last week, and Callum will tell you, to, I call him to gear. I get told off. Kay tells me off because it's De Gea, I know. Gea. But De Gea, I feel sorry for him. What chances you got? You could take a double-decker bus through our defence. Mm -hmm. It's killing the keeper. Yeah, He's a good keeper. And it's killing him. Don't blame the keeper. We, yeah. we're, we're awful. It's, I don't know. Well, but we've been over this. We keep going over it. And uh, I, I just don't know what the answer is. He's got to get rid. He's got to get rid of a load. You know, as I said last week, the people that got on the job because they were rubbish yeah. are still there. Yeah. And they're going to cost him his job. Why hasn't he sold them? Yeah. Now, the, again, the question last week, and we discussed, Woodward, I don't know whether he buys and sells. I don't know whether the manager buys and sells. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. But whoever does... He's got to get rid of the rubbish. And there's a lot of it. Oh, there's that, a hell of a lot. I mean, trying to repair that. I mean, I, I, I must say, I think Solskjaer um, uh, is doing a good job. I think he's holding it together, sort of. You know, well, getting... It'll be five years. It's a five-year project. Yes, I'm afraid it is. That's how far Manchester United have gone back. I mean, this is a great... You know, it's an axiomatic to say it's a great club. Of course, it is. It's a great Every club. child in the world knows that. But um, the what what people I don't think have quite woken up to. People say, "Oh, he needs to spend two hundred million." Oh, I'm sorry, that's not going to go anywhere near it. You buy no. Sancho, and he'll be swallowed up in this team. He's not. He, he's he, no he, different from what we've got, though. He's no no. And, no different. And, it needs root and branch. I think Bruno Fernandes is a good player. Yeah, he's all right. You know, he's, he's got a chance. Um, but we... Rashford, good player. Yeah. But he's no support. He has no support whatsoever. We need we need a, a striker. Yeah. I mean, as good as Rashford is, he's not a go he's not an out-and-out -out striker. No. We need a Harry Kane or a Guerrero, oh. somebody like that. That's what we need. We what need a goal scorer. What would you give for Harry Kane and Son? I mean, those what would two. I give, are... 
Those two are magnificent. Yeah. Well, they are. And also, I was broke the bank and gone. And Messi is my, I love Lionel Messi. He's yeah. greatest player on the planet now. And yeah. I wish we could have got him. Yeah, I wish he, he, he is getting fed up with. He's fed up on the, the relative rubbish that Barcelona have been buying yeah. lately. So yeah. you, 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 you're putting that up a scale as to what he would find yeah. at, uh, at Man United. But you never know, it might appeal to him. I think the openness of the English game, um, which has been uh, exaggerated, obviously, with the seven twos and, and, and all that that we've been getting recently, I think the openness of the English game would be very refreshing. For, I think it he would be. Enjoy it. But, uh, tell, tell me something. Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think will win the league this year? Well, I did think Liverpool until uh, Van Dyke got done uh, on Saturday. Um, I think uh, uh, I can't make up my mind. Who do you think? Well, I think <laughs> Arsenal. I think Arsenal will go a long way. But anyway, who okay. do you think? I. At the start of the season, I said I would lay Liverpool all day long because I don't think they win anything. I think they had every bit of luck, every VAR decision last year, everything went their way, everything. Mm. And it only lasts for one season. So I, I thought that Pep would have brought Man City back, but they're, they're looking very average as well at the moment. You know, I think anyone, as it's been proved, anyone could be anyone. Yeah. There's no, there's no bastions now. Anyone could be anyone. You know, the, the, best performance, the best performance I've seen this season by a mile was by Aston Villa. Aston Villa, please, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, Spurs weren't too far behind either when they came here. Yeah. But it's, the, um, the, um, anyone, anyone can be anyone. Yeah. You know, there's no outstanding team anymore. They're just all very much the sameness for me. Mm. I think the league's wide open. Which is, which is a good thing in some ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, yeah, yeah. If, if, say, we get to Christmas and there's, say, eight points separating the top eight clubs, that would be yeah. good, wouldn't it? It'd be a nice oh, it'd be fantastic. No, it'd be fantastic. And I think that would be the case because, I said, everyone's capable of beating everyone else. There's no one dominant team this year for some, whatever reason. So... Have you been enjoying watching, uh, uh, to go back to the Villa theme, have you been enjoying watching Jack Grealish this season? I think he's been wonderful. Yeah, he's, he's you know, with all the controversy about, you know, um, I mean, he's been silly with the COVID and all that, but yeah. he's, a good, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good for Villa that he didn't get sold and he's there yeah. and they're doing all right. Um, there's, I, I just... I don't know. I, I I watch some of the some of the games. I think, my God, is this what this is what it's come to? You know, for for me, and I don't know if you. Know, I mean, I'd get rid of every coach in the world yeah. and get back get back to having managers. Yeah. A coach. Why? Why? Why would you buy somebody for a hundred million and tell them how to play? Well, that's you would buy them, would you? That's it. There was a story about about that with Matt, wasn't there? Somebody, a player came, it, it was probably in your era, Willie, a player, or perhaps just before, and a player joined Manchester United and he said to Jimmy Murphy, he said, you know, 
what do you want me to do on the park? And, and basically he was told, well, if, if you need us to tell you, you, you shouldn't be playing for Man United. No, he shouldn't have been there. That yeah. would never, you know, there was no Those time. days have completely gone, you know. The, no, I know. I, I, I know. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing that I would like to see. I would like to see the coaches, like, like with rugby, put the coaches up in the stand and have no mm -hmm. contact during the game between the coaches and the players. Make them think it through. Because yeah. when, when, you, when you were playing or, or, or when Matt's teams were playing, Matt, he might have... Get, I never saw Bob Paisley coaching from the touchline. Well, he did. <laughs> That's why. There was no coaching. He expected Patrick. Graham Souness to run the team and Kenny Dalgleish. Patrick, they didn't have to run the team. Everyone just did the job. Yeah. You know, you, you played in a position. You were a specialist. That's what you did. And that's all you had to do. You didn't have to. I, I didn't have to go back and defend for Tony Dunn. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to come up and cross the ball for me. You played, you did thing. Left back, right back. But can I tell you something really funny? I, 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 I can't remember what game it was. It was at the weekend. And, and somebody, somebody's winning by one goal with, uh, with two minutes to go and they decide to send on a sub. I wish I could remember what game it is. And it wasn't the manager, but it was one of the coaches. And the guy's trying to get on for the last two minutes. And the coach is showing him a piece of paper. <laughs> what did, tell me something. What did they write down though? What did they sit and write I, when I they sat there? What what is did, it? Tell I me mean, what they write. Who's what interested write? in keeping your shape for two minutes when you're one nil down? Oh, no, it, for me, I they've ruined the game as we knew it. I mean, the game is just about talent. The word... Technically, that was a great throw-in. Excuse yeah. me? Technically? What's, that's technical drawing. There's nothing to do with football. Technically, that was a good corner kick. You mean, it's, I mean, I hate the word technical. And it's, it, they use, that's what coaches brought into the game. That's what they use. Technically, he's very good. Okay, what? What's he very good at? Tell me. It's just about talent. You can either play or you can do, can't uh, he, he can do architectural drawings. No, Callum, when you listen to the uh, Morgan and Barkley, <laughs> do you think uh, we're like uh, dinosaurs? I'll be honest with you, and, and, and I don't in the sense that there are elements that when Willie talks about coaching where lots of people listening, younger generation might disagree, but I think the, the points that you're making about talent and, and, and managers being able to buy a player to, to come in and play the way he has been is something that I think is important because you see it so often that a club like Manchester United or Man City will buy a player and, and we hear the, the cliched phrase, but remember it will take him time to fit into this system and you think, but surely, as you guys have said, if you've paid 70 million for someone, they, they're coming in to play straight away. Exactly. That's, what, that's mean, what's gone. That's what's I mean, they, they, they didn't uh, sign Willie Morgan from Burnley. Matt didn't sign Willie Morgan from Burnley and try to tell him to tuck in or do this or do that. You know, they just wanted him to do what he did for Burnley. You know something, Patrick? As I said, there was no tactics back in my day. None. Matt 
match team talk. They'd come in before a match, literally. Mm. You wouldn't see him up until then. He'd, he'd pop in and say, oh, you're playing Tottenham today. Oh, they've got a couple of good players. What's that other than Kilsean? Didn't know his real name. Kilsean. He said, he's, he's pretty good in here. Just give him a whack. Uh, <laughs> oh, you'll you beat them. You're better than them. And then he'd leave. Then you never saw him till full time. Yeah. That was, there was no tactics. There was no, you just had to do your job. Yeah. All you had to do was do your job. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. And then it was... It was a different world. About all of the managers, I mean, Bill Shankly, Bill Nicholson, Stan Cullis, the great managers. They're not tactics, they were just managers. And when yeah, they bought a player, they bought a player to go into a position, for a position. They didn't buy a right winger wanting to play a left half. But did you not think that there's a sort of wind of change blowing through the game towards the end of Matt's time when you got people like Don Revy who did think tactically as a player I mean he would play as a you know, like Ian St John or something as a deep line set almost a creative center forward yeah yeah I, I never saw Revy I saw Ian St John and I mean they were probably what you would call a false nine now uh in that they they came off the front and and created like like um like the way the way um Harry Kane's playing you know yeah, yeah. He, his passing's as good as his goal scoring now and so, and, and Revy did become a bit more tactical. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, not only Revy, but, uh, you know, you had, um, I'm trying to think of who the other ones were, um, but the, there were other coaches that came through. And I wonder if Matt recognised that the game was becoming more um, organised, if you like. And that's the reason he appointed Wilf McGuinness, who after all, although his career had been ended by injury, at the age of 28, he was such a highly rated coach that Alf Ramsey had him on the bench, didn't he? Uh, as one of his assistants when England won the World Cup, Wilf. So he yeah. was probably rated as one of the best young coaches. Yeah, but wait a minute, in the fairness. Problem, yeah. Patrick, in fairness, yeah. England had 13 men or 14. Was it 14 or 13 on the pitch when they won the World Cup? I mean, apparently the linesmen, the referee, they got the reunions and yeah. they all got medals. They all got winners' medals. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, home advantage, home advantage meant home advantage in those days, didn't it? <laughs> um, well, I, I think what I, do you know the my one regret that the Goal line technology wasn't in uh, wasn't in place in 1966. I have to say, gents, that was a fascinating um, first chat that we had there. We've got so many listeners' questions coming in. The, the first the first question we have is a question for you, Paddy, and it's asking you about your beloved Dundee. Do you think Dundee will get promoted at least via the playoffs? Well, after watching us against Hearts um, in the opening game, uh, no, but we we do need minutes. A lot of players need minutes. Uh, I know I'm beginning to sound like a manager, but they we, uh, one of our uh, Betfred Cup games was was called off very sadly because a, a four for athletic player 
um, was tested positive for COVID. I hope he's well and truly restored now. Um, but it, 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 in a minor way, it did deny our players uh, 90 minutes of football uh, while Hearts were playing. Uh, I know that's a stupid, limp excuse for losing 6-2, but um, I think we'll get a lot better. I, th I think it was a, a bit of a false result. I mean, they, they slaughtered us. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they were yards faster to every ball. Um, and we defended like drains, to be quite honest. Uh, if we defend like that all through the season, we'll be lucky to stay in the championship. But I, I do think that James McBake will sort it out. After all, he's a, a former uh, Dundee defender, well, Dundee Hibbs and various other uh, Coventry defender, um, and a good one. And it's not as if he doesn't have good assistance in, uh, in Dave Mackay and, uh, well, especially Gordon Strachan, who, who's very hands-on at the club. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's plenty of expertise around there to sort it out. And we've, we've, we've got no, absolutely no shortage. I mean, the fact is we scored two goals at Tynecastle. We scored two goals against the best team in the league. And uh, so it, it, it's really just the defence that needs to be, uh, the defence and the fitness. When I say the defence, I mean, you can't expect our, our back three to, to do it all, you know, so... It, it, I mean, the whole team needs to defend better, obviously, but when you're not fit, it, it, it's hard to do. And, uh, you know, we were at least only 4-2 down until uh, until late on. So I'm grabbing, you, you can probably see me grabbing at the straws. That Those are straws I'm grabbing at. Uh, so I, th I think it will get better. But to answer the question straight, uh, I think it's about 50-50. I think I think it was about 50-50 that we would have gone up last season because uh, we had momentum and Inverness didn't and you know they obviously Dundee United were far and away the best team in the in the league and, and Hearts probably will be this year so um, it's a question of of whether we can regain that momentum that that really bothered uh, the likes of Inverness and um, well other people I don't know who will be our main uh, rivals but uh, Air United definitely are expected to be up there and in Fairland Athletic as well. So I would say 50 50. I'm not, I'm not wildly optimistic, no. That was a question from John Bleasdale. And we've got a question that I'll bat these back, um, back and forth with you because we've got a question from Otterman62 on Twitter who gets in touch from most shows. He's asking you both 10 very quick questions about favourite things. So, Willie, yeah. first of all, your favourite animal? Oh, my God. Favourite animal? Uh... Supposed to be quick fire, Willie. A dog. 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 Favourite animal for Paddy? Uh, yeah, sorry, it's pretty boring. I'm tempted to say goat because I do like goats a lot, but dog. I'm going to go to you again, Paddy, with this one because I think we all know what Willie's is going to be. Favourite sport other than football? Rugby union. Willie? Golf. <laughs> it had to be. Um, Favourite film, Paddy? Uh, airplane, the first one. 
Favourite film for you, Willie? Friends Connection. Favourite holiday destination? I'll go with you, Willie, this time first. Oh, oh my. Oh, dear, 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 dear. Several. I like Las Vegas. What about you, Paddy? Well, of course, I'm not as rich as an ex-footballer, so uh, France. France is as far as... <laughs> I was not afford Las Vegas. was <laughs> The next one um, is an interesting one. Um, this one I'll, I'll just direct to Willie because I don't know if you'll have one, Paddy. Maybe you do. Favourite golf course you've ever played at, Willie? Favourite golf course was a place called The Reserve in Palm Springs. It, um, very, very exclusive. And, you know, as you know, I've been fortunate to play Augusta and all round Riviera, Turnbury, Turnbury in Britain, of course, I love Turnbury. But it's called the Reserve in Palm Springs, down in California. It was amazing, and I played well. It always <laughs> helps. What about you, Paddy? Well, Do you have a favourite well, course? I've got. No, I wouldn't say favourite because I don't like any of them. But I, I like <laughs> my most memorable is Penina, where the Portuguese Open okay. used to be played. Uh, it's a beautiful place with a lovely hotel next to it. Anyway, uh, foolishly, I went there with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And uh, she's she's a great. She enjoyed playing all sport, including golf. And uh, we got thrown off the course first time we tried to to play it. We got thrown off for being improperly attired. I was wearing jeans. <laughs> no, <laughs> So that was the most. That was the end of my golfing career. Yeah. Otterman's got another question, and, and, and again, I find this one interesting. I think you'll both have different perspectives. I'll, I'll, I'll come to you first, Willie, um, the former teammate of yours. He's, he's asking, some people accuse um, Sir Bobby Charlton of being quite doer. Did you socialise with him, and is that true? Uh, yes, I did socialise. We played golf, uh, and in the early days, Bobby was a very funny man. And uh, he, he, you know, has got a lot. He came through. The Munich thing was horrendous. And, of course, it's affected him. Uh, he's a nice guy, by the way. He's a really nice guy. He's just very quiet and very reserved. So, no, he's not dour at all. He, he's, a, he's a nice guy and a great player, obviously. From a journalist's perspective, Paddy, what would, what would you say about Sir Bobby? Well, I would just add, um, I, I can't remember having many dealings with him as a journalist, but uh, I would uh, accept in his post-playing career, and I would say he's, you know, a good, a good advertisement for Englishness. You know, he's, he's got that North East, I don't know what he was like before Munich, but he's got that, that sort of, Slight reserve, yes, but uh, it, it, it comes over as modesty uh, rather than um, arrogance. Uh, it, in in, in a, a different context, you'd say it's the, the stiff upper lip. You know, he's got that phlegmatism. Um, but uh, I, I just think he's been a, a credit to everything. His region, his native region, uh, the game of football, and humanity really even now 
he has a foundation, the Bobby Charlton Foundation, so yeah. he raises money for people who need it. He's a good guy. He just lives along the road, Patrick. Yeah. He's a, he lives along the road. He's not playing golf now. The, of the old great players um, all yeah. live in, 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 you know, within a sort of 10, 10 to 15 well, they can't, mile well, radius. Well, down here in Cheshire, of course, they can't get rid of us. All the jocks are still <laughs> here and all the up from Newcastle, they're all still here. <laughs> We're all hanging on, clinging on to, to Cheshire. But, you know, the sad thing, um, the thing about Bobby, everyone compares him to Jackie. Now, Jackie was very gregarious, very outgoing, all funnier. And they always said, oh, Bobby's not like that. You know, Jack's a great... And it's unfair. Bobby's Bobby. And Jack was Jack. You know, Jack there's was no great. Reason, there's great no reason why they should be identical twins. I, I mean... Well, he's a good guy. Take my word for it. Ottoman, he's a good guy. He's not dumb at all. He's just a very, very nice guy. And I said, one of the great players. So... We've got a very Scottish question from Mark McSherry, who's asking, and I'll come to you first with this, Paddy. Why do you think a wee place like Socky produced so many good footballers like Willie Morgan and the Hansons? Well, I think uh, the reason for that, uh, apart from Willie Morgan, who would they be? The Hanson brothers? Yeah. Jim Fleming. Who? Jim, Jim Fleming. Do you remember Jim him? Fleming. Well, it's obvious what it is. They all were inspired by the idol Willie Morgan, the local <laughs> no, hero. No. <laughs> the, uh, the, what it was, it was so poor in the village, just a mining village. Everyone worked, everybody worked in the pits. It was a very, very poor place. And all there was to do, there was no televisions, no, there was nothing. He just played yeah. football in the streets. And we yeah. played in the streets, there wasn't a football pit. We played in the streets, everyone, yeah. the whole the whole village. So, and Jim Fleming, he was from Socky. Jim played for Patrick Thistle, Hearts. Um, I think he came to England, played for Wigan. And he's back up in uh, up Inverness. I think he's played for Ross as well, Ross yeah. County for a little while. Yeah. So, I mean, it's well the, documented uh, how much the mining community the former mining communities gave to football not just you know um, uh, Shankly Busby mm -hmm. but uh, <coughs> Herbert Chapman came from the South Yorkshire and Nottinghamshire Coalfield I mean the mining community the, the, the degree to which mining communities have produced football players uh, mining communities that no longer exist unfortunately yeah. uh, well or, or maybe fortunately but they they that it's quite phenomenal, and and in, in Busby's case, we, we I mean, I was I was only half joking about you know when Willie Morgan comes from a place, people are empowered rather than inspired to 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 to, to think well I, if he can do it I can you know sort of thing, and and if you look at Busby, he came from Orbiston, and also from that area. Orbiston and Hatton Rig came the two, probably two of the 10 best players in the world at that time, two of the five, Alec James and Huey Gallagher. They were, they were Matt's, you know, they were the people that Matt looked up to when he was a wee boy. So yeah. it, it raises your horizons if, if people come from, look how many after Bjorn Borg, before Bjorn Borg, had there ever been a Swedish tennis player? After him, 
balloons. Yeah. Because it empowers you when people from your community succeed at a, at a sport. Lynn Cameron, massive fan of the show. Um, hello, Lynn. Uh, Lynn she's, she said, hello, Willie, Callum and Patrick. What is your most memorable game that you've played in for Willie and most memorable game that you've covered for Patrick? Okay, Willie. Most memorable game, I think, when Scotland, when we beat Czechoslovakia to qualify for the World Cup. Of all the games, we some fantastic, obviously, make my debut at Man United World Club chat. There was loads of great games, but that night at Hamden was one of the very, very special moments when we qualified when we beat Czechoslovakia 2-1. Um, so that would be my number one. One of my great regrets, Willie, is that I had, uh, I wasn't, obviously, I didn't go to the game, but I did uh, record the radio commentary by, I think it was David Francie and Morris Edelston on the BBC. And the noise when the second goal went in, just thinking about it now makes my hairs, not, no, no hairs on my head, but the hairs on the yeah. back of my neck stand yeah. up. Really just, and I, I had it taped on a tape recorder, that noise, and every now and again I would play it and I would, I would get really emotional. It was such a deep roar. I mean, were you conscious of that when, when you were on the park? Well, the, the final, well, I mean, it was only, there weren't that long to go no. when it was 1 1. And I'd got, I said, uh, into it and I got the ball out in the right wing. And uh, I came inside the fullback, which is unusual. Normally I went on the outside. Yeah. And I actually hit the ball with the outside of my foot. To Joe Jordan, who obviously headed it in then. Yeah. And the the roar was it was incredible. It, it nearly broke. Even it now, broke. you know what I'm saying? You just talk about that. You know, did you share this thinking about it was yeah. amazing. I, I, I can't describe for everyone, everyone. Yeah. We were like you were like five-year-old kids who we were running around being stupid, and it was it was just a great, great, I think you- great. I think uh, some of the players picked up uh, Willie Ormond and, and sort of tossed him yeah, in the air. And they did. It was, it, it, I, I can certainly remember that. Uh, I was going to be, if you ask me about my most uh, memorable, I'm tempted to say Dundee United, and I'm a Dundee fan, Dundee United 5, Bruce Munson, Gladbach nil, and Paul Sturrock that night gave one of the greatest performances I've ever seen a forward give. He, Paul Sturrock's one of the most underrated players I've ever seen in my life. But, and, and, and he was highly rated, but he doesn't, nobody seems to talk about him when, when you talk about the greats. And he wasn't far off being a really great player, Paul Sturrock. But I'm just saying that to annoy my Dundee, my pals, uh, Dundee FC, you know, the, the most memorable game for me was when Dundee won the league in 1961-2. We were drawn in the first round of the Champions League, it would be called now, against Cologne, who were third favourites to win the uh, to win the to be champions of Europe that year. And we went, uh, and I remember I was behind the Provost Road goal with a homemade banner, the DMC. <laughs> 
I was clever with words even then. But <laughs> the, 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 the thing is that we're, we're after 20 minutes, we were 5 0 up. 5 0 against a team we were really scared of. I remember thinking, listen, God, please give us a one all home draw and then they'll beat yeah. us 3 0 away and we can go out with our heads held high. That was what, uh, that's what we all expected to happen. We're 5 0 up after 20 minutes. We won 8 1. We're beaten 4 0 in the second leg. And uh, it, we went on to reach the semi finals. If we'd beaten Milan in the semi finals, we'd have uh, got to Wembley for the final. We'd have been the first uh, British team to get to um, a European Cup final. But anyway, we didn't. We were beaten 5 1 in San Siro. But I mean, Dundee 8, Cologne 1. What else do you expect me to say? <laughs> Great answer. And the next question is from Steve Mercer, who appears to be a new listener to the show, which is great. We're growing every every fortnight. He's asking, Welcome. how highly do both of you rate George Best with the power of hindsight with what's came after him? How highly do you rate him in, in the, the echelons of football? That's got to be Willie. Um, Bestie, obviously, great player. One of the, the great players. Um you know, in the era I played in, there was many, many great players, Steve. Many great players. Uh, George being one of them. Uh, um, De Stefano, Puskas, Dennis Law, Jimmy Greaves, Dave Mackay. I mean, the list is endless. And then, and Cruyff, you know, and Cruyff, one of the great, great players. But then you had Pelly who was the greatest of us. I mean, Pelly was in the league. Believe me. I remember when Bestie came back, he'd, he'd gone to America uh, in 76, I think George went, 75 or 76, came back and we were out in the drink. And uh, he said, you have to come to America. Uh, you'll love it. You'll love it. He said, it's, it's easy and it's great. He said, and Pelly, he said, he got the ball. Willie, he said, you've never seen anything like it. He caught the ball, he stood still, and he hit this 50-yard pass right across, right to the... And, he's, and, he's, and he said, he was, it's amazing, he's amazing. Um, so, and of course, I went in 77 and played against him. And, but you know the story. Went back to his dressing room. But George was a great player. And, and, and as I explained on this programme, Many times, much maligned, a load of rubbish being talked about him, rubbish and written about him. Uh, he wasn't nothing like what they tried to put to him as. He was a good guy, he was a nice guy. He was unfortunate that he left Manchester and went to London. That was George's downfall. Yeah. If he hadn't have gone, if he hadn't left Manchester, George would still be here. I'll tell you now, George would still be here. He was just a great player. And, and a very, very nice guy. We, like we, sorry, sorry. No, I'm just saying, you know, we were great friends. We, uh, they, they always thought when I when I joined, oh, the, the rivalry is going to be. Yeah, yeah. We, we shook hands, we went, for di we went for lunch, not dinner. And we became pals that day and we stayed pals ever since and said so much rubbish written about George and, and he, he wasn't a drunkard when he was playing. That's absolute garbage. Yeah. He wasn't quoted with the drinkers at the club, Patrick. 
No, there was a few. There was a few the club could drink, but George was oh, yeah. But but Jimmy Jimmy Ryan. Um, I, for a start, I'd like to endorse what Willie said about George as a person. I I, I won't. The story takes too long to tell. I, I hope I'll be able to come back on and tell it one day about George. But the point of the story is that this this was one sweet young man, and as the drink ate away at his soul later in life, much later. long, long, many years after he'd stopped playing, he did develop less elegant sides to him, uh, yeah. which came out from time to time. But you're quite right. Uh, a lovely, lovely human being he was in, in all he my was. experience of him. And uh, Jimmy Ryan, who um, a native of Sterling, who Willie will know very well, um, very well. Manchester, Manchester United stalwart as well. Yeah. And uh, good right winger. If he hadn't played in the same position as Willie Morgan, he might have got he more still, games. He would have still been there. <laughs> but um, Jimmy Ryan told me that George and he um, became very friendly when he first went when 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 they both first went to the club. And part of the reason there were two reasons for that. They both um, liked going out in the afternoon to Longford Park where there was a pitch and putt course and girls would come and they both liked a pretty girl. And the other reason they got on so well was that neither of them liked alcohol. And that was when George was 19, 18, 19 years of age. He just didn't like it. And Jim said that when they went out, um, George would make a bottle of beer last a whole evening and even then there'd be half of it left in the bottle at the end of the evening. So, uh, yeah, well, he's quite right. Throughout his football career, um, uh, certainly during his time at the top, um, there didn't seem to be a problem, which is why probably, looking back on it, both his, the great Matt Busby and and a lot of George's friends misdiagnosed, you know, uh, yeah. and perhaps didn't take his illness as seriously as, as, as they would now. Last question we have is a very interesting one. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Willie, because I think your answer might be slightly different to Patrick's. How many of the 99 treble winning Manchester United team would have played in Sir Matt's team? None. Oh, Precious right. on Paddy. <laughs> that gives me that gives me a bit of a test. Well, the, the first one that I'm well, thinking... oh, okay. Just, just before you come in, Patrick. Yeah. Just before you come in, maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. yeah the That'd one be I'm the goalkeeper. Thinking... That'd be the goalkeeper. Oh yeah. Although Alex Temner's a great goal. I mean, Alex Temner's a great goalkeeper. Great yeah. goalkeeper. But Michael, one of the all-time great. Michael is. One of the three greatest goalkeepers, in my opinion, with Gordon Banks and Pat Jennings, that ever played in British football. So, right, I would, I would the, definitely... the goalkeeper, but you know something, Stephen didn't have that much to do when he was in that team anyway. So, the goalkeeper <laughs> was irrelevant. <laughs> but now that, that's true. Now, now Stepney is one of the nicest. Uh, men I've met through Manchester United and one of the most likeable people and of course he was a tremendous goalkeeper but I agree, I agree that Schmeichel is 
a division above pretty well any goalkeeper. So um, definitely Schmeichel. The only other one, the one that sprang to mind uh, was, and it depends which Busby team you mean, but uh, Yap Stam would have taken a bit of, uh, would have given Bill Fuchs a run for his money. Um, I think uh, it, it, perhaps not as combative as Fuchs, but more refined, if you like, as a player. Um, uh, despite Fuchs's assist in the Bernabeu. Uh, but apart from that, you really start to struggle because there have been some good left backs like Evra, but frankly, Evra's not a tenth as good as Tony Dunn. No. Not a tenth. Gary Neville, maybe at, at the expense of Shea Brennan? Uh, possibly. No. Possibly. Um, but apart from that, um, well, you certainly, it would be very difficult to make a case for even Dwight, uh, even York and Cole, who as a combination, as a combination, were one of the best I've ever seen. But were they individually better? Uh, I don't think you could say that, no. no. Are you going to leave Dennis Law out for one of those? Not in a million years. You couldn't, you couldn't. Oh, by the way, can can do you mind? And Brian Kidd, Brian Kidd was brilliant to Dennis. Yes, yeah, but Dennis would be the first choice, and 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 frankly, York and Cole, great though they are, uh, good though they, very good though they are, you can't compare them with Dennis Law. Uh, but even Dennis Law, just to go back very briefly, I forgot to say I was so busy talking about George's personality that I forgot to say he's the most naturally gifted both in terms of strength and skill the most naturally gifted footballer i think i've ever seen the best i've ever seen in the flesh is diego maradona by by a long way but the best british player i've ever seen in terms of ability definitely george in terms of team sense he wasn't in dennis law's league george but in terms of all-round strength, ability, he was even better than Dennis Law and Bobby Charlton. Better than both of them. But they were more clever in terms of relating to the, to the team. Am I being a bit harsh on George there, Willie? I think, you know, it's really quite simple. George couldn't do what Dennis did. Dennis couldn't do what George did. Bobby couldn't do what George did. George couldn't do what Bobby did. Yeah, it's that simple. Everyone was a specialist in his own position. It, it you know, really was. It really that, was that simple. That you put yeah. it, you put it, and not only the specialists, they were the best in the world at their position. I mean, can yep, you imagine, well, Callum, three Ballon d'Or winners in the same team? They won. Those three players that Willie's just mentioned won the Ballon d'Or in a five-year period. Best. Law, it was like having Ronaldo and Messi in the same club. I mean, that's how much of a golden age for Old Trafford that that that, that it was when those three were playing. Anyway, apologies, Callum. I'm ruining the schedule by uh, changing the <laughs> subject. And going back. Hey, it's great, Patrick. It's absolutely great. The thing is, we could, do, we could do a ten-hour show. That's the difference. It'd be easy. Uh, I I'm think so even even Callum might protest at that. He says, can you, give me some, 
Anyway, sorry, Callum. Yeah, go on. As I say, um, it's been an absolute pleasure um, listening to you both tonight and, and answering the questions from the listeners. Before we go, again, thank you, Patrick, ever so much for coming on to the show. Um, the Willie Morgan mm-hmm. Show, of course, is broadcasts fortnightly. We're looking to get some more special guests in the future. And before we go, uh, a special mention to, to Willie's daughter, Gaynor, who is now on Travel.Radio with her very own show from 10am to 1pm. Good luck, Gaynor. And once again, Paddy, thank you so much for joining us. That's a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I hope uh, hope we'll all get together again one day soon. Let's do it again. It'll be lovely. I'd love that. Absolutely lovely. And you take care. Willie, Willie, fantastic to see you again. Take care, pal. And uh, give my very best to, uh, to Mrs. Morgan.